the thunder mutters. A podcast presented by Becky Dello and Adam Horowitz. Episode 3 The Shepherd's Calendar by John Clare May Hello and welcome to The Thunder Mutters Episode 3 We're back with John Clare and May I'm Adam Horowitz And I'm Becky Dello and this month is, in podcast terms, as verdant and abundant as the month itself. We've got a longer episode for you today, and with more tunes to fill out the poem's length. It's been good to get back to Claire. I don't know if you were able to listen to our in-between podcast, episode two, which featured Keats, but I've enjoyed getting back to Claire, especially with spring well and truly sprung. The cows have been let out on Minchinhampton Common, where I live, so I look out of the window and I can see these large beasts running around. How's it looking on your side of the valley, Adam? Lots of birds and wild flowers, much like the sort of thing that Claire was talking about. I'm very lucky in that respect, so I've been rehearsing and reading the poem and recording the poem and seeing all that he's talking about out in the fields. Yeah, we both are so lucky. Although we live in different places, we're only a few miles apart and we are surrounded by beautiful countryside. If you like what you've heard in the first two episodes of The Thunder Mutters, and if you, indeed you like what you hear today... We'd be very grateful if you consider donating at our Kofi page. Kofi is meant to sound like coffee, and it's a kind of put a few quid in the pot to buy us a coffee. Actually, you won't be buying us a coffee. You'll be paying for the podcast hosting. But it all helps, and we'd really appreciate that. The website address is www.ko-fi.com forward slash the thunder mutters turning to the tunes there were lots of tunes in claire's collection which were relevant to the month of may so i had to work hard to prune the choice selecting those with the best melodies or those which fitted the rhythm of the poetry and i've even tried this this episode to do some double tracking in one tune in the manuscript claire writes a harmony part and so I try and play both parts together. We have already started to receive some contributions for the podcast where we're asking you, the listeners, to contribute. I'm looking forward to having a sit down and listening. We've certainly had some tunes through. And Adam, have we had some poetry through as well? We've had some excellent poems and one that is a, a, a poet and a fiddler who has done both music from Claire and his own response in verse to Claire. Oh, fantastic. I look forward to hearing that and we'll get working on that episode as well. Right. OK, so the first tune I open with is called Air Around the Huge Oak. As with many of May's chosen tunes, it's a song melody. It's a 6-8 jig and the lyrics are very sympathetic to Claire's depictions. 
Then we move into the poem, and it continues broken up with Becky's beautiful tunes. So the next tune then is Jockey to the Fair, another jig, and it dates from at least the mid-1700s. It was popular in England, well known in the 19th century, suggested by its inclusion in many printed tune books, handwritten manuscripts, and even part of Gabriel Oak's repertoire in Hardy's Far From the Madding Crowd. It had several functions used for dancing, marching, Morris, and also set to lyrics, which George Deacon found on a broadside. The lyrics read like a poem of Clare's, full of references to nature, and opens with, "'Twas the morn of sweet May Day," which is why I chose to include it here. Yeah, and it leads into a long description of people going out into the May from Clare. The Cuckoo's Nest, another popular tune, reputedly dating to the early 18th century, is the next tune. It has some lyrics along with it, which have very rude anatomical associations. The lyrics given by Deacon in his book, John Clare and the Folk Tradition, made me go quite red. I, of course, chose it, though, because of Clare's reference to cuckoos. I now want to hear the lyrics to this tune, I have to admit. I can't say. <laughs> the next tune is also titled after a bird, the woodpecker, although I've seen it in some sources as the woodpicker, possibly referring to a woodman. Anyway, this tune also appears in Hardy's manuscript and was, again, very popular in 19th century manuscripts, but interestingly, not found widely in printed publications, but I can't give you a reason why that was. The following tune is Lass of Richmond Hill, another song melody written by W.H. Hook, or thought to have been written by him, in 1789, and again, very frequent appearance in 19th century musicians' tune books. It was reputedly written about Francis Lanson, who was born in 1766, and the lyrics suggest she was more bright than May Day Morn. Hence its inclusion here. And the poem then goes into a long treatise on maids from Clare. We've slotted these in as carefully as we can so that not only the rhythms of the tunes and the melodies of the tunes fit the rhythms and melodies of Clare's writing, but the themes as well, where we can. The woodpecker, admittedly, comes quite a little way after the mention of a woodpecker, but at a natural pause afterwards. The next tune is All Around the Maypoles, See How They Trot, another song melody which came from a stage play by Kane O'Hara dated 1762. The tune could have existed earlier. It wouldn't have been unusual to use a pre-existing tune to fit the lyrics to, relevant for the obvious reasons of maypole and dancing in May. The next tune, England's Glory, I absolutely love. It's just got such a drive to it, this, this tune. In fact, it's my favourite from May's selection. It's also known as Parson in the Suds. I just picture a vicar in a bath. Maybe that's my mind. Um, no, no, that's where I went with it as well. Good... <laughs> Oddly, my vicar, in my mind, is fully clothed. But... Anyway, and also... Is are, you say, as... are you saying I, I, I saw the vicar completely <laughs> naked? Is that what no, you're I'm saying? No, I'm just saying my mind's a bit weird. The fact, why would the vicar be fully clothed in the bath? <laughs> it's 
also known as Parson in the Suds and May Day, hence its inclusion here. The following tune is another rendition of the Cuckoo, but this time just played slower, uh, just giving a different feel. You presented me with both options just to choose one, but given that the Cuckoo, the Cuckoo's song is a repeat, Cuckoo, Cuckoo, it seemed appropriate to have two versions of the Cuckoo, and they are beautifully different. Just the slowness of this version makes it feel very different to the faster version early on. The next tune is Adieu, My Native Land, Adieu. This is the one where Claire gave a harmony line, so I've tried to record both. It was a broadside song, and again, the lyrics reflect much of the imagery portrayed in, in the May poem. The reason I chose to put Adieu where, I, where it is in, in the poem is because it's followed by Claire's diversion off into anger about enclosure and about the changes that are occurring within the countryside as he saw it and it seemed right to have a lament to uh, saying adieu to the land just before that. The final tune I play is Queen's March again found in several printed tune books and manuscripts dating from the last quarter of the 1700s. When I was preparing my selection a couple of weeks ago I am sure I found a reference to this tune but bearing reference to the May Queens, but now I can't find it. So apologies for that, but let's imagine that uh, it can be relevant to that. I must just add that the, the beauty of a podcast is that it's not restricted by borders. And having looked at some of the statistics of the podcast, we can see that we've got listeners all over the world. So just a quick explanation to anyone who isn't aware of English customs, a May Queen stems from part of a celebration of May Day where a local girl would have been crowned the May Queen following the May Day procession. And would be then carried around the village by the village worthies uh, in celebration, dressed in flowers and being praised. Which, going back a few hundred years, apparently May Day celebrations were a little bit rude again quite a shenanigan going on in the woods before dawn as one would hope about that but again i was blushing so that hasn't gone in here (laughs) do you know adam they go into the woods and the girls would they go off to collect bits of greenery and boughs to decorate their houses and it was just like a massive sex orgy. The boys would go after chasing the girls, and uh, rumour has it, reputedly, that many, that the few would come back undefiled. Yeah, a bit like The Wicker Man, basically, that scene where he, they leave the pub. Oh, I've not watched The Wicker Man. Everyone on the island is uh, in, in the churchyard engaged in shenanigans, shall we say. Shenanigans, lovely word. Okay, so let's get on with May. Here's Becky playing Air Around the Huge Oak. Thank you. 
The Shepherd's Calendar May by John Clare Come, Queen of Months, in company, we all thy merry minstrelsy, the restless cuckoo absent long and twittering swallows chimney song, and hedgerow crickets notes that run from every bank that fronts the sun, and swathy bees about the grass that stops where every bloom they pass, and every minute, every hour, keep teasing weeds that wear a flower and toil and childhood's humming joys, for there is music in the noise. The village children, mad for sport, in school-time's leisure ever short, that crick and catch the bouncing ball and run along the churchyard wall, capped with rude-figured slabs whose claims in time's bad memory hath no names, oft racing round the nooky church or calling echoes in the porch, and jilting o'er the weathercock, viewing with jealous eyes the clock, oft leaping gravestones leaning heights, unchecked with melancholy sights, the green grass swelled in many a heap where kin and friends and parents sleep, unthinking in their jovial cry, the time shall come when they shall lie as lowly and as still as they, while other boys above them play, heedless as they do now to know the unconscious dust that lies below. The shepherd goes with happy stride, with mum's long shadow by his side, down the dried lanes neath blooming may that once was over shoes in clay, while martins twitter neath his eaves, which he at early morning leaves. The driving boy beside his team will o'er the May month beauty dream, and cock his hat and turn his eye on flower and tree and deepening sky, and oft bursts loud in fits of song and whistles as he reels along, cracking his whip in starts of joy, a happy, dirty, driving boy. The youth who leaves his corner stool betimes for neighbouring village school, while as a mark to urge him right the church spires all the way in sight, with cheerings from his parents given, starts neath the joyous smiles of heaven, and songs where many an idol stand with book bags swinging in his hand, and gazes as he passes by on everything that meets his eye. Young lambs seem tempting him to play, dancing and bleating in his way, with trembling tails and pointed ears. They follow him and loose their fears. He smiles upon their sunny faces, and fain would join their happy races. The birds that sing on bush and tree seem chirping for his company, and all in fancy's idle whim seem keeping holiday but him. 
He lolls upon each resting stile To see the fields so sweetly smile, To see the wheat grow green and long, And list the weeder's toiling song, Or short note of the changing thrush Above him in the whitethorn bush, That o'er the leaning stile bends low, Loaded with mockery of snow, Muzzled with many a lushing thread Of crab-tree blossoms delicate red. He often bends with many a wish O'er the brig-rail to view the fish Go sturting by in sunny gleams, And chucks in the eye-dazzled streams Crumbs from his pocket off to watch The swarming struttle come to catch them Where they to the bottom sail, Sighing in fancy's joy the while. He's cautioned not to stand so nigh By rosy milkmaid tripping by, Where he admires with fond delight And longs to be there mute till night. He often ventures through the day At truant now and then to play, Rambling about the field and plain, Seeking lark's nests in the grain, And picking flowers and boughs of may To herd a while and throw away. Lurking neath bushes from the sight of tell-tale eyes Till school's noon night, listing each hour for church clock's hum To know the hour to wander home. But parents may not think him long, nor dream of his rude doing wrong, Dreading through the night with dreaming pain To meet his master's wand again. Each hedge is loaded thick with green, And where the hedger late hath been, Tender shoots begin to grow From the mossy stumps below, While sheep and cow that tease the grain Will nip them to the root again. They lay their bill and mittens by, And on to other labours high, While woodman still on spring intrudes, And thins the shadow solitudes, With sharpened axes felling down, The oak trees budding into brown, Whereas they crash upon the ground, a crowd of labourers gather round and mix among the shadows dark, to rip the crackling, staining bark from off the tree and lay when done the rolls in lairs to meet the sun, depriving yearly where they come the greenwood pecker of its home, that early in the spring began far from the sight of troubling man and bored their round holes in each tree in fancy's sweet security. Till startled with a woodman's noise, it wakes from all its dreaming joys. The bluebells, too, the thickly bloom where man has never feared to come, and smell smocks that from view retires, mong rustling leaves and bowing briars, and stooping lilies of the valley that comes with shades and dews to dally. White beady drops on slender threads with broad hood leaves above their heads. Like white-robed maids in summer hours, Neath umbrellas shunning showers, These neath the barkman's crushing treads, 
oft perish in their blooming beds, thus stripped of boughs and bark in white, their trunks shine in the mellow light, beneath the green surviving trees that wave above them in the breeze, and waking whispers slowly bends as if they mourned their fallen friends. Each morning now the weeders meet to cut the thistle from the wheat, and ruin in the sunny hours full many wild weeds of their flowers. Corn poppies that in crimson dwell, cold headaches from their sickly smell, and carlock yellow is the sun that o'er the mayfields thickly run, and ironweed, content to share the meanest spot that spring can spare, in roads where danger hourly comes is not without its purple blooms. And leaves where points like thistles round, thick set that have no strength to wound, the shrink to childhood's eager hold like hair and with its eyes of gold and scarlet starry points of flowers pimpernel dreading nights and showers oft called the shepherd's weather glass that sleep till suns have dyed the grass then wakes and spreads its creeping bloom till clouds or threatening shadows come and close it shuts to sleep again which weeders see in talk of rain and boys that mark them shut so soon will call them John Go Bed at Noon, and fumitory to a name that superstition holds to fame, whose red and purple mottled flowers are cropped by maids in weeding hours, to boil in water, milk and whey, for washes on an holiday, to make their beauty fair and sleek, and scour the tan from summer's cheek, and simple small forget-me-not, Eyed with a pinched yellow spot, in the middle of its tender blue that gains from poet's notice dew. These flowers that toil by crowds destroys, and robs them of their lowly joys, that met the May with hopes as sweet as those her sons in gardens meet, and oft the dame will feel inclined, as childhood's memory comes to mind, to turn her hook away and spare the blooms it loved to gather there. My wild field catalogue of flowers grows in my rhymes as thick as showers. Tedious and long as they may be to some, they never weary me. The wood and mead and field of grain I could hunt o'er and o'er again, and talk to every blossom wild, fond as a parent to a child, and cull them in my childish joy by swarms and swarms and never cloy when their lank shades or morning pearls shrink from their lengths to little girls. And like the clock hand pointing one is turned and tells the morning gone, they leave their toils for dinner's hour beneath some hedge's bramble bower, and season sweet their savoury meals with joke and tale and merry peals of ancient tunes from happy tongues, while linnets join their fitful songs, perched o'er their heads in frolic play, among the tufts of mottling May.
The young girls whisper things of love, and from the old dame's hearing move, oft making love knots in the shade of blue-green oat or wheaten blade, and trying simple charms and spells that rural superstition tells they pull the little blossom threads from out the knapweed's buttonheads, and put the husk with many a smile in their white bosoms for a while. Who, if they guess aright the swain that love's sweet fancies tries to gain, tis said that ere it's lain an hour, twill blossom with a second flower, and from her white breast's handkerchief bloom as they ne'er had lost a leaf. When signs appear that token wet, as they are neath the bushes met, the girls are glad we hopes of play and harping of the holiday. A huge blue bird will often swim along the wheat when skies grow dim, with clouds slow as the gales of spring, in motion with dark-shadowed wing. Beneath the coming storm it sails, and lonely chirps the wheat-hid quails that came to live with spring again, and start when summer browns the grain. They start the young girl's joys afloat, where wet my foot its yearly note, so fancy doth the sound explain, and proves it oft a sign of rain. About the moor, mong sheep and cow, the boy or old man wanders now, hunting all day with hopeful pace, each thick-sown rushy thistly place, for plover eggs, while o'er them fly the fearful birds with teasing cry, trying to lead their steps astray, and coying them another way. And be the weather chill or warm, with brown hats trucked beneath his arm, holding each prize their search as one, they plod bareheaded to the sun. Now dames oft bustle from their wheels, with children scampering at their heels to watch the bees that hang and swive in clumps about each thronging hive, and flit and thicken in the light, while the old dame enjoys the sight and wraps the while their warming pans, a spell that superstition plans to coax them in the garden bounds, as if they loved the tinkling sounds, and oft one hears the dinning noise which dames believe each swarm decoys around each village day by day, mingling in the warmth of May. Sweet-scented herbs her skill contrives to rub the bramble-plaited hives, fennel's thread leaves and crimpled balm to scent the new house of the swarm. The thresher, dull as winter days, and lost to all that spring displays, still mid his barn dust, forced to stand, swings his frail round with weary hand, while o'er his head shades thickly creep, and hides the blinking owl asleep, and bats in cobweb corners bred, sharing till night their murky bed, the sunshine trickles on the floor through every crevice of the door, and makes his barn where shadows dwell as irksome as a prisoner's cell. And as he seeks his daily meal, 
as schoolboys from their tasks will steal. I'll often stands in fond delay to see the daisy in his way, and wild weeds flowering on the wall that will his childish sports recall of all the joys that came with spring, the twirling top, the marble ring, the gingling halfpence hustled up at pitch and toss the eager stoop to pick up heads, the smuggled plays neath hovels upon Sabbath days, when Parson he is safe from view, and Clark sings Amen in his pew, the sitting down when school was o'er, upon the threshold by his door, picking from Mallow's sport to please each crumpled seed he called a cheese, and hunting from the stackyard sod the stinking henbane's belted pod, by youth's vain fancies sweetly fed, christening them his loaves of bread, he sees while rocking down the street with weary hands and crimpling feet, young children at the self-same games, and hears the self-same simple names, still floating on each happy tongue, touched with a simple scene so strong, tears almost start, and many a sigh regrets the happiness gone by. And in sweet nature's holiday, his heart is sad while all is gay. How lovely now are lanes and balks for toils and lovers' Sunday walks. The daisy and the buttercup for which the laughing children stoop a hundred times throughout the day in their rude ramping summer play. So thickly now the pasture crowds in gold and silver sheeted clouds, as if the drops in April showers had wooed the sun and swooned to flowers. The brook resumes its summer dresses, purling neath grass and watercresses, and mint and flag-leaf swarding high, their blooms to the unheeding eye, and taper bow-bent hanging rushes, and horse-tail children's bottle-brushes, and summer tracks about its brink is fresh again where cattle drink. And on its sunny bank the swain stretches his idle length again. Soon as the sun forgets the day, the moon looks down on the lovely May, and the little star his friend and guide, travelling together side by side, and the seven stars and Charles's wain hangs smiling o'er green woods again. The heaven rekindles all alive, We'll light the maybes round the hive, Swarm not so thick in morning's eye As stars do in the evening sky. All, all are nestling in their joys, The flowers and birds and pasture boys, The fire-tail long a stranger comes To his last summer haunts and homes, To hollow tree and creviced wall, And in the grass the rail's odd call, that feathered spirit stops the swain to listen to his note again, and schoolboy still in vain retraces the secrets of his hiding places in the blackthorn's crowded copse, through its varied turns and stops, 
the nightingale its ditty weaves hid in a multitude of leaves. The boy stops short to hear the strain, and sweet jug-jug he mocks again. The yellowhammer builds its nest by banks where sunbeams earliest rest, that dries the dews from off the grass, shading it from all that pass, save the rude boy with ferret gaze that hunts through every secret maze. He finds its pencilled eggs again, all streaked with lines as if a pen by nature's freakish hand was took to scrawl them over like a book. And from these many mosling marks, the schoolboy names them writing larks. Bum-barrels twit on bush and tree, scarce bigger than a bumblebee, and in a white thorn's leafy rest it builds its curious pudding nest, with hole beside as if a mouse had built the little barrel house, toiling full many a lining feather and bits of grey tree moss together. Amid the noisy rookie park, beneath the firdale's branches dark, the little golden-crested wren hangs up his glowing nest again, and sticks it to the furry leaves as martins theirs beneath the eaves. The old hens leave the roost betimes, and o'er the garden paling climbs to scrap the garden's fresh-turned soil, and if unwatched his crops to spoil oft cackling from the prison yard to peck about the house-close sward. Catching at butterflies and things, ere they have time to try their wings. Cattle feel the breath of May, and kick and toss their heads in play. The ass beneath his bags of sand oft jerks the string from leader's hand, and on the road will eager stoop to pick the sprouting thistle up, oft answering on his weary way some distant neighbour's sobbing bray, dinning the ears of driving boy, as if he felt a fit of joy, we in its pinfold circle left, of all its company bereft. Starved stock no longer noising round, lone in the nooks of foddering ground. Each skeleton of lingering stack by winter's tempests beaten black, nods upon props or bolt upright, stands swarthy in the summer light, and o'er the green grass seems to lower like stumps of old-time wasted tower. All that in winter looked for hay, spread from their battered haunts away, to pick the grass or lie at lair beneath the mild hedge shadows there.
sweet month that gives a welcome call to toil and nature and to all. Yet one day mid thy many joys is dead to all its sport and noise. Old Mayday, where's thy glory gone? All fled and left thee every one. Thou comest to thy old haunts and homes, unnoticed as a stranger comes. No flowers are plucked to hail the now, nor cotter seeks a single bough. The maids no more on thy sweet morn awake their thresholds to adorn, with dewy flowers may locks new come, and princy feathers cluttering bloom, and bluebells from the woodland moss, and cowslip cucking balls to toss above the garland's swinging height, hang in the soft eve's sober light. These maid and child did yearly pull by many a folded apron full, but all is past the merry song of maidens hurrying along. To crown at eve the earliest cow is gone and dead and silent now. The laugh raised at the mocking thorn, tied to the cow's tail last that morn, the kerchief at arm's length displayed, held up by pairs of swain and maid, while others bolted underneath, bawling loud with panting breath, duck under water as they ran, all's ended as they ne'er began, while the new thing that took thy place wears faded smiles upon its face, and where enclosure has its birth, it spreads a mildew o'er her mirth, the herd no longer one by one goes plodding on her morning way, and garlands lost and sports nigh gone leaves her like thee a common day. Yet summer smiles upon thee still, we nature's sweet unaltered will, and at thy birth's unworshipped hours fills her green lap with swarms of flowers to crown thee still as thou hast been of spring and summer months, the queen. So that was Becky playing the Queen's March. We hope you enjoyed that quite long poem of May. And in the meantime, Adam, any ideas who the next poet for one of our intermediate episodes might be before Claire's June instalment? Oh, very much so. We've got Percy Bysshe Shelley coming up in a fortnight's time. I'd better get cracking on with looking through some manuscripts. Then. I've, got, I've got some poems for you to look at as well. Fabulous. And in the meantime, we're still looking for people to submit poems and tunes, be that their own tunes or interpretations of Clare's music from his songbooks. And you can get hold of us at thethundermutters at gmail.com or on the Thundermutters on Facebook or at Thundermutters on Twitter. Well, we hope you've enjoyed episode three of The Thundermutters, John Clare's May. And... 
because we're doing this in lockdown and because we're doing this on a, on a wing and a prayer, we'd be very grateful if you'd consider, having enjoyed the show, donating on our Ko-fi page to keep the show going. Every couple of quid helps, so if you've got some virtual pounds jangling in your pocket, then please go to our tip jar over on our Ko-fi page and donate. The address is www dot kofi that's k-o hyphen f-i dot com forward slash the thunder mutters and we'd be very very grateful for any help because it costs a bit to keep this show going we'd love doing it but if you can help that would be wonderful see you in a couple of weeks thank you very much <laughs>